0: This is the Bartender Journey Podcast.
1: Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 148. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, our guest on the show today is Donnie Bilo, and she wrote a book called Paris Cocktails. It's a beautiful book with uh, cocktail recipes, but it's also got. It's like a travel guide uh, to drinking in Paris. I love a good travel book. It's like being uh, transported without the uh, expensive airfare and time it takes to get there. Well, uh, we'll talk to Donnie in a few minutes. And, of course, her book, Paris Cocktails, is our book of the week. So get on over to bartenderjourney.net, and uh, you'll see a link. You'll see an Amazon link to it on bartenderjourney.net. First, I want to mention our great sponsor, BevSpot. They produce software to manage your entire beverage system from inventory to ordering, pars controlling your beverage costs, figuring out your pour costs, and maximizing profit. This is BevSpot CEO and founder, Rory Crawford.
2: You know, what we're really, interested in as a technology company is visualizations. Mm. So, you know, as running a beverage program is really, really hard. Yeah. It's really complicated. <laughs> um, you know, underlying price ingredients are changing, and that's beautiful because we automatically update that in the system because you're are doing you
1: integrating, your... Are um integrating juice costs and things?
2: Yeah, you can build all those recipes in. So you can say, you know, I buy orange juice for mimosas at 16 bucks. A case. I get one liter bottles. We know that the cost per ounce is this and we'll integrate all of that with it. Okay. Um, so that's right. You have a fully loaded cost. Okay. And then what we're able to do is even when uh, spirit or, or, alcohol costs are changing, you're reflecting that in your ordering. So you never have to update your Excel sheet, mm. right? It's automatically there. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that help. that helps, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, but then you can go into BevSpot and because we have all this data, you can run reports and see charted graphically. What are my 20 biggest selling items? Yeah. What is my, you know, I want to see it mapped by dollar sales and percentage profitability mm-hmm. or inverse of poor cost. Right? So in your upper right, you're going to have your cash cows, your high flyers and these can be cocktails so you can have your your big ones up there but in the lower left you've got items that are less profitable and not selling as fast yeah so you can one-click look at it and see, hey, I'm selling this cocktail for twelve bucks. My pour cost is twenty-four percent. My average pour cost for my cocktail program is eighteen percent. Can I change the price to fourteen bucks? Mm-hmm. If I can't, can I substitute an ingredient? You know, what very simple actions can I take on these three items to run a better beverage program? Right. And taking complex data and synthesizing it into a very simple visual format, where a beverage manager from home on their iPad can log in and say, okay, if I take these three actions on these three products, I run a better bar. <laughs>
1: That's what it's all about here on Bartender Journey. Running a better bar, making better cocktails, and never stop learning. You can book a free online one-on-one demo of BevSpot. Get on over to bartenderjourney.net on the main page, the podcast page. On the right hand side, you'll see a banner that says BevSpot and you can go there and book a demo. Who knows? You might get some great ideas just by doing that demo. Uh, If you get over to bartenderjourney.net on the podcast page, click on the BevSpot banner and book your demo. Do it now. You can do it on your phone. You don't have to wait till you get, get to a computer, so uh, get on over to bartenderjourney.net on the main podcast page, and you'll see the Bev Spot banner on the right side. Click on that, and you're on your way to a free online demo. I find that even if you're not the boss, you know, or the manager, it's great to inform yourself about uh, new products and management techniques. Uh, I didn't really announce this on the show, on the show but uh, if you've been following the show for a while, you know that I was working as a food and beverage director recently. Uh, well, I ended up leaving that gig. For one thing, working 70 hours a week just uh, doesn't appeal to me anymore. <laughs> There's more to life. And uh, there was a lot of stress, too. So uh, now I'm a humble bartender again at a private club, believe it or not. And I like it. I'm happy there and uh, a little less stress for me and a little more free time to do other things. So, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I think uh, by having some management knowledge uh, under your belt, it makes you a better employee. BevSpot even has a bunch of free resources. So uh, if you get on over to net, click on the BevSpot banner. And then uh, click Resources, you'll see some free stuff you can download. Running a More Profitable Bar, Guide to Bar Management. There's, uh, there's a bunch of free videos on there. There's cocktail recipes even. So uh, get on over there. Calculating and interpreting pour cost, calculating inventory usage. There's great stuff on here. So uh, get on over there. Bartenderjourney.net. Click on the BevSpot banner. All right, Cocktail of the Week. In Donnie Bilo's Paris cocktail book, there's a recipe for the Ritz sidecar. Yeah, I love a sidecar. It's great, great cocktail. Uh, just recently at the club, uh, the GM asked me to come up with a signature cocktail for an event, and uh, I presented it to her with a garnish and a name that related to the event, and she asked what's in it, and I said, well, it's a sidecar. <laughs> Dummy me. I, I just, she didn't know what a sidecar was. I should have just said it's cognac, graminier, and uh, fresh lemon juice, right? Or, well, uh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I, I should, uh, shouldn't should steal that recipe from. Make make believe I made it up myself because uh, I didn't. <laughs> but uh, anyway, point is it's a great drink so anyway back to our cocktail of the week here uh a sidecar is normally made with a sugar rim and uh the Ritz sidecar it does not have that uh in this book uh there's a gorgeous picture of the drink in the book and uh it seems to me though although it's not in the recipe the cocktail in the picture may have had a egg white added to it because uh, there's a nice foam head on top so uh so here we go this is what we'll we'll call our cocktail of the week let's call it the modified sidecar two and a half ounces cognac one and a half ounces Grand one ounce of lemon juice, and half an ounce of egg white or aquafaba. You hear me talk about aquafaba a lot, right? Or at least uh, last week I talked about it. That's a great substitute for egg white. You can just use the brine or the or the uh, the liquid inside a can of chickpeas in place of an egg white, and uh, use you can use one to one substitution. So uh, we're gonna use half an ounce of egg white or half an ounce of aquafaba. By the way, it's traditionally made with uh, Cointreau or uh, Triple Sec, not Grommonier, but uh, I often find myself uh, reaching for the Grommonier bottle when uh, Cointreau or Triple Sec are called for. Um, And in the case of that signature drink, I added a lemon sugar rim, which was pretty awesome. I grated up uh, some lemon rind, mixed it with some sugar, and uh, let that sit for a little bit. And, uh, ooh, that was really delicious on the rim of the glass you know Mm. we're gonna shake that up with ice shake it hard because we want that nice foam on top and we'll strain it into our chilled cocktail glass a cocktail coupe or martini glass and that's a great drink. People, uh, people really like them, but it's a, it's a little, uh, a little unusual. People, people are. It's not something people drink every day, but it's a great drink. Uh, it's a, it's a sour basically, isn't it? Right. Something uh, you got spirit, something sweet, and some uh, fresh lemon juice. We added an egg white. It's a sour, <laughs> but it's a great drink. I always find that's a good way to, uh, to keep your recipes straight. You know, think this is basically a sour, except for, but. You know, So this is basically a whiskey sour uh, with cognac instead of whiskey and it's served up instead on the rocks, right? Easy way to remember it. So sidecar in hand, cheers. Well, we do our toast always at the very end of the podcast. At the very end we do a toast. But, uh, oh, I have to cheers to you guys. Uh, If you remember a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago or so, I was talking about uh, the Cider Shake Cocktail Competition and I was encouraging you guys to uh, enter that contest. I entered myself and I won. So uh, thank you so much for uh, those of you who voted for me i really appreciate it that was uh voting on uh youtube and uh i've got a bunch of votes at the very last minute it was pretty awesome and uh that was uh new year's eve The, the contest ended uh on uh at midnight pacific time uh and uh so when i got off got off work that night after bartending i was watching the votes and uh lo and behold uh i won at the at the last minute so that was really cool so uh thank you for voting for me and um cheers It's unofficial bartender week here in New York City, and uh, I can't wait to to, uh, attend the events and uh, tell you all about it. So uh, hopefully I'll have some cool stuff to report and maybe some uh, audio recordings for you uh, next time or the time after on Bartender Journey here. So this will be fun. It's run by the New York chapter of the USBG. Hey, I joined up, did I tell you? Uh, I joined the USBG, and I encourage you to do the same. It's a great organization, and um, hey, why not? It's going to expand your knowledge. It's going to expand your uh, network and uh, you're going to meet so many cool people, get invited to a lot of cool events. Um, So uh, that's something to consider, the United States Bartenders Guild. All right, let's talk to Donnie Bilo, author of Paris Cocktails. Well, let's start at the beginning. You you started as a blogger, right?
3: Yeah, actually, um, my idea was not just to have a blog, uh, but to have an online guide for Paris. And uh, so I started in 2009 um, and it's Girls' Guide to Paris, mm-hmm. and it's been going on, you know. So that's uh, what six years, and it's so it's it's instead of just um, a blog where you're kind of scrolling, it's difficult to, you know, find all the recommendations for you know my top ten restaurants for, for Let's say right. um, I, I I have a bunch of different blogs within the site and sort of a static guide if you will online guide that constantly gets updated so you don't have to go buy you know um, any of your paper guides anymore you can just use it on your iPad on your iPhone um, you know on your computer your laptop whatever um, and and sort of everything is right there we have like 5,000 pages on Paris
1: so Amazing, amazing It's yeah. a beautiful website, really Thank is. you Yeah, Thank it's you. great So then that led you to write this book, Paris Cocktails
3: Yeah, I mean, I should divulge to your readers, uh, your readers, your listeners, especially those who are, are bartenders and, and, and folks in the business I am not a cocktail expert They mm-hmm. reached out to me, this um, book publisher, Cider Mill, and they said, would you like to write this book, Paris Cocktails? And I, this was back last year, in last November and I said, "Well, I'm definitely a Paris expert and I like a good martini, but definitely I'm not, a, you know, a mixologist, I'm not a bartender. Mm-hmm. Never have been. But, you know, if you want to pay me to write to uh, a drink in Paris, I- I'm not going to say no." Yeah. So, <laughs> and nor would you, I'm sure. So, um, you know, it was a too too good of an offer, so um, basically, I went to about 55 bars in six weeks and interviewed about 60 bartenders. So this is the result of painstaking research on, on my part.
1: <laughs> That's fun. That's good research to do, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's part cocktail book. It's part guidebook. You know, it's a beautiful book. I love the cover, by the way. It's Thank amazing. you. Nate, it's a great, you did great looking a great book.
3: Job with the art, and that was not not me. So yeah,
1: but yours is the only name on the cover. So why not take credit for it? <laughs>
3: Give full <laughs> credit. Yeah. It's, it's, they're a gift specialist company. So, you know, the, the cover is meant to really, you know, excite and attract people. And it's a cutout, uh, for those who, you know, are just listening. Um, it's a cutout martini, um, sort of it's cut cover. So uh, underneath you see this old antique, uh, map of Paris. So, um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's got a little retro thing going on. But of course, we talk a lot about craft cocktails and the, craft cocktail scene which is really exciting in Paris right now
1: yeah yeah I want to hear all about that but uh, first uh back to the guidebook aspect of this of this book I want to go to the uh hotel peculiar bar is it (laughs)
3: particular
1: Particular. that that sounds so cool
3: (laughs) everything sounds better with a little French accent right
1: (laughs) you say it's a little hidden away uh bar you wouldn't know it was there unless you were looking for it
3: it is it's a really charming place it's in Montmartre it's right at the top um, of the hill, um, you know, Montmartre is the 18th, at so the very, the highest part of Paris extra, actually probably the second highest Belleville in the 20th is a little bit higher, I believe. Mm. Um, and this is a beautiful, uh, hotel that has, I think like, you know, under 20 rooms. Each room, um, was designed by a different artist, wow. um, And, you know, that kind of thing's been done for quite a while. It's not like a brand-new hotel, but it's remained, you know, really special. Um, And it has a a little tiny bar. It seems to me like the kind of place you'd meet um, if you're having a clandestine affair of some kind. (laughs) And there's a back garden that's all... um, Uh, in case sort of, you know, basically a walled garden. Mm -hmm. And um, one time I went uh, and met a friend who has lived in Montmartre for 30 years. And we met another friend of hers and her husband and another lady who was probably like in her 80s. Um, And I went the back way. And you go, and it's really, really hard to get there this way. (laughs) And it's sort of a miracle that I made it. But um, you go past like an old a boule court, you know, sort of a, um, a club for the guys who play boule, and um, it's a really cute place. And then there's this rock that people think is a, sort of a magic sorcerer's rock. And then you go past <laughs> that, and then you enter this this little um, gate, and there's the this you know beautiful backyard of the hotel. Of course, it's easier just to go around the front, but it was just <laughs> like one of those weird Google Maps thing. Um, but it is sort of um, a special hidden little place, the Hotel Particulaire, and especially. In in, you know, nice weather to sit outside is, is lovely. And kind of interesting thing about that story was that there was a lady that joined us for drinks that, um, that I didn't know, but I met that night. And like I said, she was in her 80s. And she invited us to go back to her apartment, which was just across the street. She had lived there since she was born. (laughs) Her parents had moved there in the 1920s. It was an atelier. So that, you know, that sort of Two story with, it had views of the entire city of Paris Mm. on both sides, and it was packed full with her entire life as a, she was a a designer of fabrics and so forth, and it was this crazy, you know, kind of a little bit of a hoarder situation going (laughs) there, but you know it was like magic, and she'd been there for a full eighty years, and her parents like probably another ten years before that and never thought to buy it it was just she's been renting it for that long
0: (laughs) oh right
3: can you imagine
1: yeah Parents oh, should avoid it. It's a
3: great old old Paris kind of picture I right,
1: that mm. I experienced. So. Wow. Yeah. So the French were kinda of late to the cocktail scene, huh?
3: You know, you'd think that. Um, and I definitely thought that because up until uh, eight years ago, you could barely get a decent martini in Paris. You'd always have to go to one of the big hotels or to, you know, the the Hemingway Bar or to Harry's New York Bar, which has been there since the teens. But um, we It was really um, back in 2008, a year or two after Death & Company opened here in New York, mm-hmm. that these three guys um, started Experimental Cocktail Club. Right. And yeah, you probably know or heard about them. They're, they have since then, so that's what, five, seven years, have opened 14 places around the world. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I,
1: is- I I must admit I haven't been...
3: But yeah, I'd one is that a hotel. It. They yeah. actually have a hotel they just opened called the Grand Pigalle in Saupy, which is south of Pigalle, like the new sort of hipster area in Paris. Huh. And uh, it comes like in the mini bar with like pre made cocktails. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> yeah. But they basically kind of copied what was going on here in terms of like the speakeasy, you know, right. 1920 retro cocktail thing. And. Sure. Uh, opened one um, the first one which was in the second and it just took off
1: obviously Mm -hmm.
3: like wildfire
1: yeah yeah but I think you mentioned in the book that uh, the French are sort of not accustomed to strong liquor flavors
3: yeah and I was under the false assumption so Know, picture me in this sort of learning experience coming from it from an American's point of view. And it really wasn't until the the very last bar that I went to, and I interviewed this guy, Stephen, and it's called um, A la Francaise, I believe is the bar. And he talked, actually showed me some recipe books physical recipe books that he's collected because he's really into this topic um, from the 1830s. Wow. French cocktail recipe books. So they actually have um, a long history with cocktails. And then there is, they sort of fell out of favor but they have a longer and sort of more complex and interesting history with liquor and liqueur in general than we do. It's just different. the The monks, you know, invented Chartreuse back in you know almost five hundred years ago, right. and that was uh, a cure. And they were always, you know, I think this is the way they got around things by saying it's a it's a cure. It's a digest. <laughs> it's good for your, you know, digestion. It's good for your you know, something, they'd think of something. And then the apothecaries started, you know, so actual, you know, the precursors of the pharmacy yeah. would, would carry this stuff. And that's true also of the original cocktails, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because they were, you know, drinking from wine to digestif to aperitif to all this kind of thing for a really, really long time, like you know, hundreds of years, right. um, it's been part of their culture, they believe in a balanced taste.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So they don't want to taste the liquor as the first sort of hit you in the face kind of right. feeling, which I like. I like martini. Yeah. You know, I like a strong drink. <laughs> I like Bikes on the Rocks. But I think that's because when I grew up, like, you know, you had a drink to feel it. They have a drink for taste and that should go with food.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, So it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more elegant, shall we say. So I've decided that it's in the beginning, I was thinking, well, they're just new drinkers, like they can't handle a tough, you know, (laughs) stiff drink. But now I've decided, no, they just have a different approach and a different way of looking at liquor. Oh, Um, that's interesting. You know.
1: Yeah, I was I was I was thinking it was more, you know, because there's such a long tradition of uh drinking great wines and mm-hmm. uh maybe it was hard to uh break away from that, but uh but that but but it wasn't only wine like you said.
3: Yeah, you know, and and I think that is part of it. And cocktails certainly to the the 50 and over generation are a totally new thing and they're pretty floored by the whole idea, but they're excited by it. The, the 35 and under are really into it. They're into beer. They're into craft beers. They're into cocktails. It's definitely part of their nightlife scene.
1: Right, right. You, you brought up Harry's uh, New York bar. I wanted to ask you about that. What's that like?
3: Oh, uh, well... That's a place i would actually had been before, um, because it's such an iconic place. It's it's just filled with so many great stories. The n- number one thing that I don't think any, very many people know is that they invented the Bloody Mary. Really? Um, and I had to double check that with a cocktail historian. With all of these, like who invented what, where? There's always some yeah. competition for you know. Um, The claim. Um, But there's this guy uh, who was a Frenchman. They called him Pete, but uh, he actually um, is French and he invented it there. And then he was brought over to the St. Regis and it was Mm -hmm. kind of became popular here in New York. Um, but it was definitely invented there. It was invented um, as a cure, as a as a remedy for, you know, a tough night the night before. And it still mm-hmm. works just uh, very well Is that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so in the book, we've got both the original uh, recipe, then another unbelievable um, Bloody Mary recipe from a place called Lepicuis, which is um, a gorgeous bar in the 8th Iron D's Mall. And it's part uh, – it's just attached to, but you don't need to – go to the Michelin um, two-star restaurant that's attached to it. You can just go to the bar. It's mm-hmm. in a gorgeous mm-hmm. old home, like a, a maison particulière, they call them, um, which just means like you know a mansion, a beautiful home from the late 1800s. And uh, I believe Calvin Klein has his offices in that building too. It's just a gorgeous place. And they have the most unbelievable Bloody Mary. They muddle it uh, using fresh grape tomatoes. Mm-hmm. There's no citrus in it at all it's got cranberry juice barbecue bitters it's uh obviously vodka and shaken up uh so that it's frothy i think maybe he adds some egg whites i don't recall that part and then he takes half of the room and he salts it with cajun salt and it is just out of this world totally different Mm, because it's got super fresh taste Uh, yeah yeah but getting back to harry's harry's is just it's like a must visit it's it's just an amazing place. It's got two floors. They open at noon. There is no coffee. There is no soft drink mm-hmm. served. You know, you go there mm-hmm. to drink. But every, you know, cocktail is super elegant. It's the antithesis of a craft cocktail bar in that, you know, they would never call themselves mixologists. They're bartenders. They wear little white, you know, jackets. And, you know, it's very retro in the real sense of the word. Mm-hmm. But, you um, Equally as wonderful as you know, um, a place called Baton Rouge or Artisan or any of the new places, um, and, and it's kind of fun to do uh, a bit of a mix it up pub crawl throughout to Paris when you're there, and and, and check out all the you know, the different
1: things. Mm-hmm. Well, I like in your book, the, uh, the sort of theme parties that you, that you suggest, oh, thanks. you suggest everything from the, uh, from the music to the drinks and the, and the food. And, uh, w- one, you even suggest, uh, everybody take a nap at at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
3: You know, get it, hit a second wind, right? That's my call <laughs>
1: That's
3: party it. and very, uh, very French thing to do as well. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You have a Make Your Own Cocktail Friday. Yeah. That's nice. And that was based on uh, something
3: we actually did in Paris. I wanted to, obviously most of the recipes in the book are from these really talented bartenders and mixologists that I interviewed throughout the city and beyond. We got some from David Kaplan from Death and Company and and some other places beyond Paris as well. But I wanted to take some classics and say, you know, how can we make this French? How can we you know, Paris this up a bit. So uh, I had about 15 girlfriends over to, we have an apartment on the Ile Saint-Louis and uh, got sort of printed out some basic, recipes and then you know kind of let people have at it and say you know let's try this out I gave people sort of a starting point let's try this out and then add to it subtract and figure out you know what you think is best have everybody try it and once we say you know yes all of us really like this then we would put it in the book so I think I got like you know probably eight recipes that way and it was really fun and by by the time you know everybody thinks just like anything you know they're too in, they're so intimidated especially by this new craft yeah. cocktail culture and they see these you know these new um menus now at, at bars and they're like oh my god yeah. i don't know what half these ingredients are and i think the right. the idea like the thing i like to do with with paris with you know with france and with 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 this book too, is just to demystify some of this stuff, you know, and you know, you buy some interesting ingredients and, you know, just give it a shot. It's just like cooking, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. And, And if you give someone a recipe, like they can use, uh, you have a party and use 10 recipes from the book, let's say, and everybody makes that. Try it, and then see who likes what the best, and then from there invent your own thing.
1: Yeah, I know it's so strange. People are just scared to try new things, you know. And you know, I drink seven and sevens, and that's all I drink, you know. know. <laughs> but yeah. but that's a that's a good way to approach it, you know. And, and then you can think like, well, well, uh, if that's what you like, maybe um, you know, what what is what is seven up anyway? You know, it's sweetened lime and lemon soda, right? So what if we take, you know, simple syrup and fresh lemon juice and lime juice and add soda water and use a better uh, quality whiskey and see what that tastes like. You exactly,
3: deconstruct it a bit. I think the reason why people are afraid, particularly with alcohol and venturing, and it's funny because I've had now about 10 book events and people will come Pay for the event, know they're getting three a cocktail tasting and the book and this mixology class and everything. And then they'll tell me they don't like cocktails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's really funny. I'm like, well, uh, so, but I, I'm finding it's like people will say, I don't like gin or I don't like tequila yeah. or I don't like something and it's because they had a bad experience, you know, when they were younger. And this is also why, like, I always drink seven and sevens, or I always drink, you know, Jack and Cokes, or whatever the thing is, they found, like, this is the safe thing, they kind of know how to deal with that, if I have two, and something to eat, and blah, blah, blah. You know, they have a program down, because nobody wants to be a blithering idiot, or wake up in the morning feeling terrible. So I understand that part of it. But I also found, like, In tasting all of these myriad of different things, which I was worried about in terms of, you know, you mixing all kinds of different things in one night. And I'd go to two or three bars a night and I'd taste, you know, at least three drinks at each bar, but I would just do two sips. So at the Mm -hmm. end of the night, I really basically had um, a cocktail and a half. So if (laughs) if you don't drink too much, you can taste a whole bunch of different things. It's not a big deal, actually. Um, number two, that somebody told me, one of the bartenders, it's like if you were to have one hamburger in your life, hamburger, and it was from McDonald's, and you tell people, well, I don't really like hamburgers because I had, yeah. like three hamburgers one night, and yep. I got really sick. Mm-hmm. That's the tequila story or the gin story. You know, It's like you need to go back and try some really good gin and not have exactly. 12, have you know one or maybe two over the course of a couple hours, and you'll find that, you know, if you're at a really good place or you're making up one of the drinks in the book or, you know, one of the other many great books out there, you're going to like gin.
1: Yeah, and I, I tell people, uh, you know, they say, oh, I don't like gin, you know. I, I'm like, well, you, you drink vodka, right? It's, it's sort of like flavored, not flavored, but it's aromatized vodka, kind of. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah exactly. It's a grain alcohol with herbs
1: yeah. of some kind. I had that same conversation about vermouth with someone. You know, oh, I don't like vermouth. Well, you tasted some vermouth that was sitting out for six months, that wasn't very good to begin with. You know, you don't like vermouth. Well, you haven't had vermouth.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It, and
1: vermouth is probably and a big thing. Uh, I know. I know it's a kind of a European thing to to drink uh, vermouth in the afternoon, maybe with a little soda and a, and a lemon, which I love.
3: Yeah, you know what? I never had until a couple summers ago sweet vermouth with a little soda and a little orange. I think someone gave me
0: mm-hmm. the
3: house, um, I think it was telling you down South and boy in the afternoon, it's like the laying out by the pool or by the river or by, a, you know, anywhere on a picnic. Oh my God. It's just so refreshing. I know.
1: I, I know. I love that too. Well, let's wrap up with your French cotillion rules. <laughs> no, cocktailing rules. <laughs> 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 yes,
3: coctilian can become some sort of a verb after you've had a number of drinks, I think. And we could figure out what it may, means, but it sounds interesting for well, sure.
1: The, well, the, I, th- I think it was the author and bartender, Gary Regan, Gaz. I don't know if you know him. He, uh, uh-uh. He He's, look him up. Uh, Gary Regan. He's a great author. Great, great guy. And uh, uh-huh. I think he, you know, he didn't he didn't like the phrase mixologist and, he didn't, and bartender sometimes doesn't, you know, always yeah. cover what we Maybe. do exactly. But he came up with that word cotillion. The, the cotillion it. bartender. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love it. I love that.
1: I'm pretty sure he's the one who invented that.
3: You've taught me something that I really um, I'm going to use and I will definitely attribute to him.
1: All right. Well, we'll wrap up with just a couple of your questions. Your rules that we were talking about there. Do clink glasses with everyone in the group wishing each other santé.
3: Santé, absolutely. (laughs) Santé is a short for uh, à votre santé, to your health.
1: Do make eye contact with the person whose glass you're clinking, or you'll risk seven years of bad sex. Uh Uh-oh, bad news there. Have
3: you ever been told that one?
1: Well, not in so many words, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you always hear that you have to look into people's eyes. And then when I was told... That was the reason. I was like, oh, my God, I got to really take this seriously now. (laughs) Right. And they always look into each other's eyes when they clink glasses. It's a big thing there. And so now it's like, you know, this is something I'm trying to really spread because we we all need to help each other out on this one.
1: Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Well, now everyone knows. Now
3: you know. So this, you know, don't ever forget that
1: one. All right. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for
3: having me, Brian.
1: Uh, And if there's anything I I can do to uh, help you out in the future, related to cocktails or anything along those lines, please let me know
3: just come to paris and let's have a drink together i've
1: never been i've never been to
3: paris oh my heavens well (laughs) this has got to change
1: i know i know it's so funny (laughs) i feel i always feel like i'm pretty well traveled but doing this show i talk to people from all over the world like i've never been there you know there's so many places i've never been
3: yeah well (laughs) it's a good time to go it's on sale it's 25 percent off because you know the devaluation of the euro so right it's the best time to go to europe anywhere
1: all right i better start making plans Well, Donnie, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers. That was fun. Remember, the book is called Paris Cocktails, and if you go to bartenderjourney.net, you'll see a link for it, along with the show notes uh, for this show, number 148. And uh, click through to Amazon and do your shopping there. On bartenderjourney.net, also look for the BevSpot banner. You can click on the BevSpot banner and go to their resource page and download a bunch of free stuff, uh, some free resources, and also request a demo. They have software to help you manage your beverage program. Hey, I hope you're subscribed to the Bartender Journey podcast. This way, as soon as new episodes become available, it'll download right to your device uh, while you sleep. Or, is, or as soon as it comes out, anyway. Bartenders never sleep, right? So, uh, yeah, do that. Subscribe if you're not quite sure how to do it. Uh, well, the easiest way, if you have an iPhone, go to your podcast app and search for Bartender Journey. Hit subscribe, and you'll be able to download uh, the newest, well, it'll download the newest stuff for you automatically, but you can also browse the back catalog and uh, see what might interest you there. If you haven't listened to them from the beginning, there's, uh, well, 147 shows before this one. We're going to do our toast in just a minute, but I want to remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. I'd love to hear from you for any reason at all. On bartenderjourney.net, there's a contact page. That's an easy way to do it. Or uh, you can just straight out email me at brian at bartenderjourney.net. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next time on Bartender Journey. All right, here's our toast. Here's to our bills and that someday we meet them. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey podcast. Prohibition is dead and America's
0: liberty-loving millions rejoice.